welcome to another empowering story and a new episode of my podcast, Believe It, Pursue It. Today I'm joined by a truly inspiring woman, Rebecca Fredericks, that is really a proof that you can do it all and look fantastic at the same time if you set your mind to. Together we're discussing how busy moms can overcome the challenges they experience every single day, how they can create a work-life balance and incorporate a healthy diet and exercise in their everyday super busy routine. Rebecca is a pre and postnatal specialist. She's a personal trainer, she's a nutritionist, she's an author, she's a life coach, she has a degree in psychology and the list does not end there. She's also a mom of three and a very busy business owner. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss something that's really hot topic for so many women. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. I want to start a little bit the conversation with getting to know you a little bit more and for the audience to know you as well. What has led you to this business and what is the, the main thing that you're teaching your clients as well? So it's been quite a crazy journey here, to be honest. Um, I think I'm kind of typical of a lot of women in that I didn't really have a concrete idea of what I wanted to do. It wasn't like I went to school and I knew that I was going to be a doctor and then I pursued that passion. It wasn't like that at all. But what I did know is that I wanted to do something for myself, um, that I wanted to work for myself, that I wanted to run my own business. And so I started with a theater company. I then went, I then, um, uh, went into uh, creating my own magazine when I was at university. I then started a fashion business in my 20s. And it was when I got to around 32 that I started feeling like I was, had this real strong sense that I was wasting my life, that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, that something strong was missing. Um, and my husband really encouraged me um, to actually look at the things that I really enjoyed doing um, and to pursue those. And so I always had a passion for human development and self-improvement, been lots of Tony Robbins stuff throughout my life and, um, you know, really looking at, at, at um, human behavior and um, all of those sorts of things. And then I was really passionate about health and wellness, um, but in a much more holistic way. I was never one that went on diets and weighed myself all the time and, you know, religiously went to the gym, but I really enjoyed exercising. I really enjoyed eating well and um, learning about foods which actually nourished my body rather than um, deprived my body. And I looked at how I could really combine those three passions into one thing. I think um, that the health and wellness industry has often been quite siloed. So you're either a personal trainer or you're a nutritionist or you're a life coach or you're this, or, you know, and, and very rarely do those things all come together. And I think that they so naturally fit together because the reality is we all know we should eat healthily. We all know we should exercise, but we don't. Why don't we? What's holding us back, what's stopping us? And that really fascinated me. And, and, and long story short, that's what brought me to where I am, working with, with pre and postnatal women on the holistic side of health and wellness, about looking at those things which do hold us back, that do self-sabotage us, that do prevent us from doing the things that we know we should do, the things that which make us feel good. Looking at 
our motivation, our whys being so much more than just, I want to fit into a nice dress or, you know, I want to have a six pack, but looking way deeper than that, because when it's a freezing cold morning and you just want to stay in bed, you're not going to be getting up to do an exercise class. If all you want to do is look nice in a dress, it's just not a strong enough why. Um, so that's one of my, my key messages. And another one is that we have one life and we're here to enjoy it. And so if our whole life is about a number on a scale or fitting into a pair of trousers, we're unable to embrace and enjoy life fully because we can't experience everything that life has to offer us if that is our main goal, the main thing that's living in our minds. So it's really looking and helping women to establish worth it moments, to educate them to understand about food and, and learn that food is a way to nourish the body. It's a way of self-loving, right? Actually, if you're eating crap all day and crisps and chocolate, and it's actually, it's actually punishing yourself because you're, you're doing unpleasant things to your body and your brain, um, but also you're malnourishing yourself. Your body is not getting all the macro and micronutrients that it really needs in order to function at its best. However, those are still an important part of our lives. You know, having chocolate, having a croissant on a Sunday morning, those are all having a piece of your child's birthday cake. These are our part of our lives. We can't, I think most people can't cut them out entirely. And if they do, it's for a short period of time, then they fall off the bandwagon and then comes all the associated guilt, the feelings of failure, the feelings that they're not good enough, that they can't do it. And then that just leads into this really destructive, unhealthy cycle that we try and break by, setting boundaries but allowing us to move comfortably within those boundaries so that we can properly enjoy our lives. I love it and I love how you actually take into consideration the mindset of the clients that you have at the same time as well as you know establishing a program for them and establishing a healthy diet that could help them but one that is sustainable, sustainable for their lifestyle and sustainable for their mindset right their mental health. Yes, absolutely. We're not robots. We can't just say, this is what we're going to do and just automatically assume we're just going to be able to follow it step by step. The majority of us just don't function like that. And to expect ourselves to function like that is setting ourselves up for failure. Absolutely. Nobody wants to feel like a failure and nobody wants to fail. That just then leads to a negative spiral where, you know, we may be bingy, we create limiting beliefs around ourselves, and it just gets harder and harder to break free of that. Fantastic. And I mean, if we fast forward a little bit to now, having had all those clients over the years, what is the the main thing that they're asking you, the main goal that they have when they approach you to start with? Is it, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds or I want to fit in a, in a dress size eight or, or is it, you know what, I just want to be a busy mom that can actually be fitter, healthier. And how do you guide them through their goals? So it's very interesting. I think um, working with mums is an absolutely fascinating demographic because before I was a mum myself, I didn't feel like I could work with mums with any kind of authority. And I truly believe that. I think only being a mum can you properly understand and work with mums. Um, so uh, before, before I became a mum, I really just worked with women. Um, and then often the goal was about losing weight, about toning their body, about, uh, you know, uh, losing, you know, some flabby arms or creating a nice round bottom, much more of the kind of the physical side of it. But I think 
that as moms, we realize that we are role models for our children, that they are watching everything that we do. And we want to lead a healthy path for them. And also in a way we want to take care of ourselves so that we can be the best mum possible for our children. And that's something that I always definitely emphasize to my clients in that they can't properly take care of all the people around them if they don't take care of themselves. Because you're like a, a cup, right? And an empty cup, you're trying to pour from an empty cup, there's nothing really to give, it's just the dregs. However, if you fill your cup first, then there is plenty to give everybody. Um, so that's really, really key. And I think that women, they come often because they're looking for a little bit more confidence, I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think confidence is a real issue with mums. And I think it stems from the mental side of it because we give so much of ourselves all day, every day. We're almost like an empty vessel. And even goes down to things like baby classes. It's like, here's Ava's mum. Like, Hang on, I've actually got a name. Excellent. I'm not just Ava's mum. That's not, my identity is not wrapped up in motherhood. And when your identity does get wrapped up in motherhood, you lose your sense of self and who you are and what your own personal goals are over and above getting the washing done, emptying the dishwasher, sweeping the floor, all these kind of menial tasks, which that's not what life is all about. It's an important part of life, don't get me wrong. If we didn't do those things, we'd live in chaos, but that's not actually who we are and what we want for our lives. And we can't lose that sense of self, those goals for our own lives in order to be a mother. You know, sometimes we have to put them on the back burner a little bit. Sometimes we have to take them a little bit slower because of time issues, but we must never lose them because when we do, we lose ourselves. You highlight such a big challenge for mums, actually. Uh, losing the identity is something that I constantly see with my clients as well. And I have a lot of clients that are mums themselves. So they don't even go to the States to be with a personal trainer, to start looking at exercise or healthy diet or, or a healthy routine and lifestyle because they feel guilty. They feel like they shouldn't really look after themselves or their identity is just being mums and that's it right how do you what do you advise them to do in these cases how do you overcome this challenge together with your clients so i really differentiate mm. selfishness from self-care selfishness is when you are just looking after yourself to the detriment of everybody around you Okay, so say that you're, you know, you're having a massage and your one year old is screaming in their cot with a dirty nappy, you know, and chaos is going on around your children are miserable, they're hungry, they're dirty, and you're just looking after yourself. Self care is completely different. It's looking after yourself so that you can look after other people. And we can't forget that just because we can't see our mental health doesn't mean that we shouldn't take care of it. And our physical and our mental health are so tightly bound together. The reality is if we look good, we feel good. And if we okay. feel good, we look good. They're inextricably linked. And I don't think you can be like, oh yeah, but I go for a run every day, so I'm fine. Are you? Are you fine? Are you still looking after yourself? Are you still doing other than that run, which hopefully brings meditative quality, you know, all of those sure. sorts of things. Maybe, maybe it's great for you. But just saying, well, I do this one thing for myself and that's all I get time for. Is it enough? Maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. What are other ways? And I'm not meaning, you know, getting your nails done every day and yeah. getting your eyelashes done and all of this sort of stuff. What is actually integral for you? 
to make you feel like you and the person that you want to be. And that's, that's a question that we rarely ask ourselves because that changes as we get older. And that's gonna be different from when you were 18 to when you're 28, to when you're 38, to when you're 48. And it's a question that we need to constantly be asking ourselves yeah. um, and allowing the answer with looking at ourselves and talking to ourselves and understanding ourselves and giving ourselves that compassion that we would do to our best friend or to our child, but we just don't seem to do for ourselves. Absolutely. I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. And actually, you touched on another key key subject for me, right? Um, when we're talking about self-care, people will come to me and they will say, yeah, I'm taking, I'm going to a spa day once a month and I'm, I'm taking a long bath. So I am actually focusing on self-care. I'm like, are you really, are you really doing quite a lot of self-care? Because that is once a month. That is probably one hour out of your time. And that is it. What else is there mm. that makes you focus a little bit more on yourself, that makes mm. you love yourself, that makes you feel confident about you, that makes you feel good about you, right? Mm. And I do believe that a healthy lifestyle and a healthy diet, especially for moms, is really, really integral to the success of a self-care and a, a nice, healthy routine. Mm. And I want to ask you, how do you how do you approach that when a mom is really busy and has so many things to do throughout the day mm. that they will probably come to you, I assume now, because I'm a mom as well. And they will say to you, I run out of time. I don't have any time to cook a healthy meal. I don't have any time to exercise. What do you mm. tend to, to tell them, to advise them to do? Well, I mean, it depends on the individual and their lifestyle right. and the goals. But what I always do is I try and get them to establish a really healthy morning routine. Mm. So ideally, this is before they get waylaid by, mommy, I need a drink. Mommy, I need this. Mommy, you know, and they get all of these demands placed upon them to even wake up 15 minutes earlier or 30 minutes earlier and actually have a list of those non-negotiables in their lives. And they don't, again, they don't have to be, I need to meditate for an hour, they need to work out for an hour, they need to journal for an hour. Absolutely not. What are those things actually that they can do, have time to do in the morning that actually makes them feel really, really good? And this is actually why I developed my program Thrive, because I'd just given birth to my third child and I had three children under four. And um, one of my girlfriends, um, I was like, on a walk with them, this is way before lockdown. Um, and she said to me, stop, I don't get it. Me, everybody else I know with young children is surviving. You, you're thriving. Why are you thriving? And I was like, am I? And I really thought about it. And the reality was that I had little things throughout my day that I did for me that made me feel good. Not big things, things like making myself a matcha tea, having a lemon water first thing in the morning, like little things that I could look back on. If I'd done these things in my day, I've had a good day. And they were really, really small, insignificant things. But actually, I had them on my list, be it mental, be it written down, it doesn't matter, that if you can cross them off, you can get a small win in your day. That small win creates a dopamine hit in your brain where you're kind of like, oh, I've done something for me, at which then you are motivated to do something else. And I find that having a really strong, really healthy morning routine, yes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, 
with those list of non-negotiable things that you do for yourself, body brushing, oil pulling, whatever it may be, it doesn't really matter. Five minutes of journaling. Create those list of things that are important to you and then create time for them by getting up that little bit earlier or linking them. So I'm a big believer in habits and linking habits. So you're waiting for the kettle to boil. Instead of scrolling social media, what could you be doing in that time? You know, you brush your teeth every day. Perfect. I listen to a podcast when I'm brushing my teeth. I link that to dry body brushing because once the kids are up, there's no way I'm listening to a podcast and there's no way I'm dry body brushing because there's just no time. However, I have that five minutes, brush my teeth, put the toothbrush down. I've got my podcast on and I start body brushing. Then they wake up and I've at, I've already done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this all for me all make me feel good. I'm motivated. I'm prepared to have a great day. So definitely a strong morning routine is is something really, really key. The second thing I always recommend them to do is to create a day framework for themselves. So they split out the day into hour chunks and then they decide, right, what are the things that I want to accomplish with my day? Okay, maybe I've got work, of course. Maybe I've got the washing, emptying the dishwasher. Maybe I've got meditating. Maybe I've got exercising. Maybe I've got making making dinner and making lunch for tomorrow, whatever it is. And then doing time blocking exercise. So deciding, okay, these first two hours, I'm going to get all my emails done first two hours. I'm then going to have half an hour off. That's when I'm going to do some chores. I'm then going to do another two hours of work. I'm then going to take an hour off where I'm actually going to dedicate some time to to being with my child. I'm then gonna do another hour of work. I'm then gonna do some exercise and really splitting up the day. I think one of the problems, one of the great things, but one of the problems about being a woman is that we are told very early on that we're very good at multitasking. And therefore we believe that we should spend the entire day multitasking. Multitasking. What that means is that we never really dedicate any proper time to any one thing. And therefore by the end of the day, we're left with loads of half finished things. And we feel a bit, oh God, that was a rubbish day because I've not really accomplished anything. And that's certainly true with dedicating time to our children or dedicating time to exercise. You kind of start something and then you're like, oh no, this is not working. I'm just, you know, or, you know, um, women very, very key they create a very large barrier to entry for the things that they're doing. And this is certainly key with exercise or with creating a healthy meal. I need an hour to exercise every day. Very few people have an hour to exercise every day. It just, it doesn't work out like that. Certainly not when you've got children, but do you have 12 minutes? Do you have 15 minutes? You do, I promise you that you do. And therefore not setting yourselves these really high expectations of what you can achieve with your day, making it all manageable and achievable. You know what, if you've done 12 minutes and your baby's still asleep, maybe do another 12 minutes, you know, see what you can do. Set yourself really, really low bars to entry, do it. And then you'll realize that you enjoy it, that you can do it. And then you'll do it again tomorrow and you'll do it again the next day. Same with healthy eating. Oh, I need an hour to cook. I don't have the ingredients. Lots and lots of excuses. Okay, well, you've got some ingredients. Lots of recipes take 10 minutes. Let's have a look at actually what we can achieve. Having that kind of open mindset, that possibility mindset. If you think you can, you can, right? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's probably not going to be a three-course Gordon Bleu meal, but it doesn't matter. As long as it's healthy and tasty, everyone's happy. Absolutely. And what you just said about 
setting very high expectations for ourselves is something I constantly see. And I've been a victim of that as well. I'm not saying I haven't. I mean, I started when I um, gave birth to my boy after that, because I was a fitness gig, fitness fanatic beforehand. I was like, oh my God, I don't have an hour anymore to work out. Therefore, I will not work out. But it's exactly that mindset that actually stalled my progress for a long period of time and made me have to work even harder afterwards to get back to being fit and healthy, right? Whilst now I know that if I have 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, if I have 30 minutes, that's perfect. But if I have even 10 minutes, I can actually do a proper exercise, whatever that is. Some weights, a little bit of running on the spot, you know, anything. Um, I don't have a program necessarily, but as you said, it's this time blocking that helps so much and actually making sure that you do prioritize that and it does fit in your schedule, even if it is 10 minutes. Perfect message. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I work with women a lot on that and I call it the all or something mindset. Yes. Generally, we're many, many of us are real perfectionists and yes. it doesn't mean across every single area of your life, mm-hmm. but often in certain areas, we're perfectionists. If we can't do it perfectly, if we're not going to give it our all, not even going to do it. And I find this a lot with my uh, challenge. I know we're going to talk about later. I have so many women writing to me saying, oh my God, I loved it. I did two weeks and then I got sick. I had two days off and I just couldn't go back to it because I'd ruined it. Yes. Like, you haven't ruined it. Just get, just start again. It's absolutely fine. And, and, and the, the realization that we all have to have is that something is always better than nothing. Absolutely. Five minutes is better than nothing. 10 minutes is better than nothing. Yeah. Just because we can't be perfect all of the time doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing something constantly towards our goals. So as a mom of three, tell me a little bit, how did you have to adjust your lifestyle and what kind of lessons has it taught you uh, in terms of how you, how you create an everyday routine and how do you create it around your children, but including your children as well, right? Do you have to work out at times when they're asleep or when they are at nursery or school? Or do you have to, you know, just find the time to work out even if they're around? Do you cook with them? Do you not cook with them? You know, what kind of daily routines do you have? So I'm a strong believer in modeling behaviors for our children. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two girls and um, I'm very, very conscious that they look at me and look at how I talk about myself, to myself, how I eat, what I eat, how I exercise, source of exercise I do. I mean, my five-year-old already is is starting to do her own YouTube exercise videos because she's grown up seeing me exercise all of the time, thinking that that is a normal part of her day. And I love that. One of of her first um, snacks was a chia ball. And I remember her running around (laughs) our flat going, mommy, can I have a chia ball? And my friends just laughing going, I mean, that is ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, but that's her, that's her treat. That's her snack. They taste sweet. They taste delicious. You know, I make those with her. It's a fun thing we do together because she's learning about food being nutritious, not not that food is a reward or a punishment, a way to restrict and, and be cruel to ourselves. She's learning actually about, more about bringing good things into our lives rather than pushing bad things out. I think that kind of dichotomy of, of mindset about 
um, this food is good, this food yeah. is bad, is actually extremely detrimental and extremely unhealthy. And I every day will eat chocolate, crisps, biscuits, whatever I want to eat, because I have a healthy relationship with diet. I know that 99% of my time I'm eating stuff that's really, really good and healthy. But if I want to have a croissant on a Tuesday afternoon, I'm definitely going to have one because I want to. And that's, you know, and that's kind of the, the, the relationship and the mindset I'm hoping to create for them in their lives. And I think that modeling is extremely important in terms of um, creating my routine. I call myself um, quite a selfish parent. My husband's always really cross with me. Right? Okay. See, selfish sounds bad, but I'm not a martyr to motherhood. I'm not, my darling needs a sleep at this time, so I can't go out and do anything. No, she'll sleep when I put her to sleep. And that means that my children are extremely flexible. So my husband travels a lot for work. So with Ava, our first child, when it was still possible, we, I think she did 40 international flights in her first year of life. We were constantly traveling. So she couldn't have, this is bedtime, bath, reading, we never established that kind of really strict routine. But what it means is she will sleep anywhere at any time. She is the easiest child because she's just adaptable, right? Children are adaptable. We can put them into the routine that suits our lives, that facilitates our lives. Um, and so I've kind of approached all of my children in that way. It's slightly different now, Ava going to school because she has to be up quite early. So I'm definitely more, um, okay, this is your bedtime, sweetheart. This, this is when you need to go to bed. Whereas before it was kind of like, they sleep 12 hours. If I don't want to get up, I'm going to put her to bed at eight. So she doesn't get up till eight or, you know, I kind of looked at it more like that. I'm not going to put her to bed at five because she's going to wake up at five in the morning and I don't want to be up at five in the morning. Um, in terms of when I do my exercise, I actually, um, I run a program for mums that starts uh, at class at 7am. So I do my class, uh, I do my exercise mostly at 7 till 7.30. If my, my kids are normally asleep, but if they wake up, they'll sit with a snack and watch. Or Ava, my five-year-old, will get involved and she'll be doing burpees and press-ups and um, alongside us. So that's really cute. Um, but then if I'm not, if I'm just doing it, um, you know, on a want to do some stretching on a Saturday afternoon or something like that, they generally just play around me because they're used to it. I think if it's something that they've never seen mummy do, mummy's suddenly on the floor, they're all over you. Yeah. But actually, after having seen you do that 10 times, 11 times, they're not interested really anymore. Get them some toys and some snacks, you know, and as they get older, I would put the kids to watch a movie while Cole had a sleep. So I had an hour to do some work or to meditate or, or do something that I wanted to do for me. And then involving them in the, you know, my five-year-old is fantastic at unloading the dishwasher with me or taking the washing out. And you make it something fun that you do together, chatting about, you know, your day or whatever. And they can actually be quite helpful. That's so cute. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> I, I know that some of our, um, the moms that are in our audience will probably be thinking, yes, but you have always been in health and fitness and they've actually, you know, they were <laughs> born and raised uh, next to a mom that has been uh, a fitness uh, role model, right? And uh, a health professional. So it's easier for them to adjust to this lifestyle from very early on. But we have uh, older toddlers or we have older children how do we all of a sudden make that shift without compromising the relationship with ha we have with kids or um, you know trying to integrate them a little bit more in our daily routines without mm -hmm. breaking their habits necessarily 
or uh, creating a little bit of a, uh, of a chaos or um, them being at a loss or not knowing what's happening to mommy who is all of a sudden now working out and is uh, looking after, after herself. What kind of advice would you give? I would say to talk to them. Mm. They're humans, you know, and actually they really appreciate it when you talk to them and you explain what's going on so that they understand. And you'll be surprised, even, even my three-year-old is extremely supportive. She's like, mommy, are you going to do some cooking now? Can I watch or can I do it with you? Or mommy, are you going to do some exercise? Can I watch or can I try do some stretching too? they like to get involved as long as you're talking to them explaining not excluding them and no stay away from mommy get away from me this is my time leave me alone and then that seems cruel and unfair but if you're or involve them like can you let's do together let's do some mountain climbers let's do some jumping they love doing stuff like that so really get them involved and then you'll probably find that actually they get pretty bored and they wander off and start (laughs) coloring in after about five minutes but maybe they won't and maybe they'll do it with you and maybe it's something some little bonding experience that you can do together. But give it a try. You know, I think we're brilliant at creating excuses, right? That, oh, my kids are older, they're not gonna understand. Well, how do you know until you've tried? You don't know. You're just creating this limiting belief which is holding you back from your goals rather than actually embracing it and going, let's see what happens. You know, it could be great. What's the best thing that could happen if we tried? What's the worst thing that could happen if we tried? Okay. If this is the worst thing that could happen, what could we take to, okay, the, the house is going to be chaos because they're throwing eggs around. Okay, well, put the eggs in the fridge, move all the knives away from the surface countertops, make it a safe space, make sure you've got lots of things to engage them around, get some Lego out and some coloring pens and all those sorts of things so that they are provided for, they are cared for, there's some water, there's some snacks, all the things that inevitably they will ask you to do for them. If you've already pre-thought it and pre-prepared it, it's going to be much easier for you. And then it's a learning experience, right? If you do it and actually, you know what, this was a nightmare, this was a nightmare. Okay, well, what can you do next time to take away those two things so that they don't become a nightmare for you? Perfect. You know, if you, if you approach it in that everything is possible, everything is possible. Agree. Absolutely agree. And learn and adjust, right? Every single time, you know, you'll become better at that and you'll be, it will become easier. It will be, be much, much uh, more normal for them and for you as well. And all of a sudden it will be part of your daily routine and you'll not even realize when that happened, right? It is a new habit that you're creating for yourself and for your family. Absolutely agree. Perfect. Tell me a little bit about the main challenges that you think mums are are facing, and especially after they give birth to a child, right? Things like, my body doesn't feel the same. It's not the same. I'm not used to having this body, or I'm very tired, or I'm very exhausted. What kind of challenges are the main challenges that mums have, especially new mums? All of the above. Hmm. All of those. I mean, I don't know any single mum that hasn't gone through phases of all of those things. I know, and also every pregnancy and um, postnatal period is different. I know with my first daughter, I did zero exercise for about three months after having her because I'm a strong believer that we need to have a healthy psychological relationship with anything that we do so I don't like to exercise because I feel like I have to exercise I exercise because I want to exercise and so I went through the first period I was so tired I was just like 
I could not be moving my body right now. And also I, I know that it's exercise stresses the body. And when your body is already stressed from a lack of sleep, actually exercise isn't a kind thing to be doing to yourself. So I was well aware of that. So I did absolutely nothing. I literally existed on flapjacks, which people seem to constantly bring you as like a, hi, welcome to the world, small baby. Here's lots of flapjacks for mommy, which I loved. Um, so I existed on flapjacks and green tea and um, barely moved other than some walking, obviously, um, for three months. With my second daughter, it was quicker. I went back after about a month, uh, but not doing like, you know, jumping jacks and stuff, because that's, again, that's really bad for your body to go straight back into that sort of exercise. You'll cause yourself way more damage than benefits. Um, and then with Cole, I actually started the day after I gave birth to him because I felt, I think my body was like, oh, this again, okay, you know, but I felt absolutely fine. Um, it'd been a horrendous labor, don't get me wrong. He was back to back and nine pound two, and I had, uh, you know, no pain killers, and it was, it was horrendous. But your body is designed to do this, mm. you know, and, you know, six hours in the birthing center, I was home. And life returned to normal. You know, I think when you've got other children, it, you can't just have the newborn haze, you're all wearing white and, you know, it's all this beautiful, someone wants a snack, someone's peed the bed, they, you know, <laughs> life continues. And I think because of that, and because of my work, and I know actually how important it is to do the internal repair work, which can be done immediately, yeah. I just started to do it. I started to do my breathing exercises. I started to do my core work. I started to do my pelvic floor work, which meant that after three weeks, I was actually getting back to weightlifting yeah. and doing all those sorts of things without causing myself further damage. Um, so I think it's completely different for every mum and for every birthing experience. You know, if you have a C-section, it's gonna be different. If you have stitches, it's gonna be different. If you have uh, ventouse, it's gonna be different. If those stitches get infected, it's going to be different. I think not trying to fit everybody into a circular hole and then when they don't fit, because nobody does, they feel bad about themselves. You know, I think that's one of the, the, the worst things about the celebrity culture you see you know, somebody beautiful and successful, they have a glorious pregnancy, there's no morning sickness, they don't put on any weight. And then two days later, they're on the beach with a six pack and you're like, uh, that's what I should be like. That's not, that's not real life. And when we don't measure up, we feel bad about ourselves. But the reality is, as with everything, we are all individuals. We're all completely different. Our experiences are all completely different. Our bodies are all completely different. And we have to show ourselves that self-love and self-compassion to allow ourselves to be different and to do what's right for us. And certainly what I always recommend my mums is to listen to their bodies. If their body says, okay, I'm ready now to do a little bit more, do a little bit more. If your body is saying, you need to sleep, you need to rest, that's what you need to do. All, remember, we have to remember that all of this is a phase, right? You're not gonna have a newborn forever. You're not gonna have a toddler forever. It is just a phase. Your body is not going to be like this forever. So enjoy it, embrace it, give yourself a break, you know, love yourself back to full health and full wellness. And then you can start to do a little bit more. 
but don't ever feel like, right, by six weeks, you should be exercising. By eight weeks, you should be doing jumping jacks. By 10 weeks, there is no should across anything in life and certainly not across exercise or healthy eating or any of those things. I love the approach you take. And especially when you're talking about self-compassion, this is so key because we don't really practice that. It's one of the things that we really don't pay attention to. But in the same way, you would be empathetic. You would be compassionate to someone else who is going through pregnancy and is a new mom. Allow yourselves to live through this journey, you know, to experience that, to actually make the most out of that. And as you said, very well, enjoy it, right? Just enjoy that because you're not going to be new moms forever. That's going to be just a stage that stays there for a few months, maybe maximum a year. And after that, it's the next stage and the next stage in your life, but just enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely perfect. Thank you, Rebecca. Tell me, tell me something else then. Is it a misconception for you that moms cannot really have the body they used to have before pregnancy, you think? Or I, I think that's a fallacy. Mm-hmm. I, think that's, I think that's a limiting belief that maybe our culture kind of promotes almost to kind of, let us off the hook. Now, I think it's one thing if you decide, you know what, that's no longer important to me, then that is your choice and that is absolutely fine. But if it is important to you, you can absolutely have your body back and better if that is what you want to do and that is what you want to achieve. But I think there is this kind of like, oh, well, she's had three kids. That's why she's, you know, she's let stuff go and she's three sizes bigger than she used to be. That, that, that's that's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. He's chosen that and that's absolutely fine. No judgment. My goodness, it's hard enough whether you've had children or not to have, you know, a body that you love and are proud of. Um, But it is a choice. Somewhere along the line, you've made a choice that actually you're not going to exercise. Actually, you're not going to eat to nourish yourself. You're going to eat to, you know, um, I don't know, indulge yourself maybe. Um, And you're not going to take care of yourself the way that maybe you used to. But it's, it's definitely a choice. But I'm not saying that you can then, you know, have a baby and two weeks later have a six pack. That's extremely unrealistic. And I don't think that's natural. No, no, I completely agree. Perfect. Now, tell me, tell me something else. I'm really keen to ask you about that because I've read your book and a bit late, I must admit. So you have, you've written a book. Um, it's called Mamahood, The Expert's Guide to Fit healthy and happy pregnancy, right? Um, unfortunately, I came across that a bit late. <laughs> I would love to, to have read that beforehand, but it's a fantastic book and just highlights every single thing that I wanted to know when I was actually pregnant. I was doing online research and I couldn't find half of the things that you've written in your book. So really good book. I totally recommend that for any pregnant women out there. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. But you're also focusing in your book a lot on the emotions that pregnant women have, right? And you give some tips on how to cope with those emotions. Let's, let's talk a little bit about mums now. What are your tips to cope with the emotions that mums have, the tiredness, the fatigue, the stress, the, the fear, the fear of failure, you know, all of these overwhelming emotions that they have to cope with every single day. As always, it's approaching everything with self-compassion, self-love and open-mindedness, not having this 
black and white approach where this is right, this is wrong, this is what I should do, this is what I should not do. If we look at every event as neutral and we create the judgment around it, so we create whether it's a good event or a bad event, quote unquote, the event itself is neutral. It's, it's the story we create around the event that makes it one way or another. And that's exactly the same with, with our emotions. You know, what's tired for me might not be tired for you. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I'm wrong and that you're right. It just means that we're different. Yeah. And I think if we can approach life like that, and certainly ourselves, um, we're going to find the journey of life a lot nicer, calmer, less stress provoking, less anxiety ridden, um, and just really trying to live in the moment. You know, anxiety is looking ahead and fearing the worst, right? This worst may never happen, but all we're doing is we're creating a story around a neutral event or a neutral feeling, yeah. and we are making that into our reality. But it's, it's a choice. I'm a big, big believer in, in taking a pause and making a choice. Um, and I think that's really key. And I think that, you know, if you are tired, allow yourself to be tired. If you are feeling stressed, allow yourself to be stressed, not wallowing in the emotion because then it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and then it feels insurmountable, but allow yourself to feel it. Because I think what often happens is certainly when you're a busy mom, you maybe have this you know, maybe it's 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 depression or, or, or negative feelings. You're just like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And we push it aside and we ignore it. But those feelings are often a cry for help. And we need to actually listen to that cry because it's coming from somewhere. And if we just squash it, sit on it, ignore it, it's going to resurface at another time, probably with a louder cry. Um, so it is really important that we, we listen to ourselves, we love ourselves, we show ourselves compassion, and then we put a plan in place to support ourselves and overcome it. Love it. Tell me a bit about support system. How important is it to have a support system when you're trying to establish a healthy routine for yourself or when you're trying to all of a sudden create a new lifestyle for you and your family and the new members of the family as well, a healthy diet, better, uh, more nutritious cooking, exercise as well. How important is it to have that support system, the supportive people around you, whether it's a husband or a partner or your parents or anyone really um, that is around you and is a very important relationship for you? It's absolutely vital. And I think it starts with open and honest communication. So I often have clients who decide to make these changes, but they don't get support from their partners because their partner feels threatened by the changes that they're making. So for example, I've got a client that's just jumped into my head. Every sort of Friday and Saturday night, they would sit together, watch a movie and eat a pint of ice cream. Right. Suddenly my client actually didn't want to do that anymore. And then that made her husband very upset because he's like, hang on, this is something we used to do together. We really enjoyed it. You're ruining it. And he felt very, very threatened by the fact that she was changing. Sure. And he was scared that she was changing because he thought that she was going to change into somebody that didn't love him anymore. And I think whenever we are wanting to create change in our lives and change is progress, right? Hopefully we're changing for the better. It's so important that we communicate our goals and the reason for our goals with the people that 
we love and that need, we need the support of and communicating that saying, look, I'm really wanting to start eating more healthily because I'm really experiencing a lack of control around food. Um, I'm starting to binge on things which aren't good for me and which are making me feel terrible. Um, I don't want this to be, you know, the model of eating that I'm showing our children. Um, I'm wanting to make sure that they are eating a nice health balance, healthy and balanced diet. I really, I'm gonna need your help because I'm gonna find this really tough. And without your help, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it. As opposed to, sorry, we're only eating soup for lunch from now on or make yourself something. You know, the difference is huge because you're bringing somebody else into your fold. You're showing your vulnerability. You're communicating to them that you need their support, their love and their help. If they love you, which hopefully they do, they're going to want to support you because they're going to want you to achieve your goals and to become the best version of yourself that you want to become. So I think it's all, it's all about communicating. It's all about communicating in a, in a non-emotional way, not kind of, you know, having emotions about what you want to do so high up in your body that it all comes out in kind of like an aggressive spurt, which kind of like freaks out that other person. Just doing it in a really compassionate, open, loving way, being very honest about why and where this is coming from and, you know, supporting them in turn because, you know, they may well, I mean, I think 99.9% .9 of my clients, when they make these changes, their partners do it with them and they love it too. Even down to like, you know, they're actually in the corner during our evening life coaching sessions or they're doing the workout with them, you know, because, because it suddenly becomes something that they do together, that they're united in a goal for living a healthier and happier life. And because the results are pretty immediate you know immediately you start to feel better even if it's just like a placebo effect right because you're doing the work you're like huh okay I'm, I'm feeling better this is great this is working and then that motivates you to do it more and more and more bring in all of these new things they all add up and huge transformation happens lovely what is one tip that you would like to give to to moms and to to busy women actually in general not just moms let's let's expand it a little bit more busy women and busy moms what kind of tips would you give would you give what kind of advice would you give the the one bit of advice you'd like to pass on i mean it's tricky but i think one piece of advice that i would like to pass on is to spend a little bit of time every day on themselves yeah. be it working towards their goals, be it just taking care, looking after themselves. It doesn't have to be a long time. In my challenge, it's 12 minutes. Um, it doesn't matter when you do it, but 12 minutes, a certain amount of time every single day, just looking after and loving yourself. Lovely. Rebecca, thank you so much. That has been such an informative conversation. Absolutely loved it. Tell me where people can find you and tell me a little bit, you have an offer a free offer for for our audience as well i'm very excited about it actually <laughs> okay so i have got a free 28 day challenge it's called dive in to thrive and it's it's for mums and it's all about their physical and mental wellness and you sign up to the challenge completely free 
do not have to pay a penny and you get emailed a 12 minute challenge every single day for 12 days five days a week it's a brand new workout um one day a week it's a self-care challenge and one day a week it's a nutrition challenge so i would love for you to sign up i have over 2,000 women on it at the moment um i would love to welcome your um clients and your listeners to join us in the challenge there's also a facebook group associated with it which is a lovely supportive community of mums together helping each other and supporting each other uh, i'm sure you will see me there anyway but you will see many more people too thank you so much for that and thank you for actually highlighting how important self-care is for mums how important the mindset of looking after yourselves and paying attention to your body to your feelings to to your relationships, to your support system, nurturing your mind and body at the same time, how important those things are for, for a healthy, uh, well-balanced lifestyle and life in general. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.